This is the Yoakum Strength Podcast, Episode 8, with Austin Yoakum and Greg Ebosher. Things which matter most must never be at the mercy of things which matter least. So that's a quote from Chapter 3 of the book Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. The title of the chapter is Put First Things First, and that's going to be the topic we discussed today. And we're going to carry on with our series of the seven habits of highly effective people. Yeah, and I think that quote like kind of sums a lot of things up because it it really you can't you can't have other things that matter that don't matter take up your life and I think a lot of us do it I know like I do it for sure you know like you have that text message you have something like email and it just pops up and it doesn't really pertain to what you're trying to accomplish in life but it's easy to reply to and you spend time doing something like that rather than doing something that really matters Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes and also I know this is my internship last summer. My boss told me, uh, she gave me my my review, and she said that um, the one thing that I needed to work on, um, other than the technical skills of business and accounting, was um, when I encounter a task that I don't know how to do, I kind of tiptoed around it, and I didn't get right down to the nitty-gritty and I knew that too. Yeah. I knew that. I didn't put first things first and just get right to it. I found little other things that needed to be done, but I didn't get what really needed to be done done. So. Yeah. And when you dive into this chapter, it it, it talks about the reason we do that is because it, it makes us feel good. You know, yeah. like when you reply to that email that pops up, like it, you get that little like, oh, I accomplished something. Ooh. Yes. And for some people, I think, I think it's good you get the little momentum going sure. but if you really want to attack a problem really want to attack a goal like you got to start with first things first for sure absolutely and going off this our last two habits that we talked about they kind of lead up to this they lead up to this third habit of actually doing of actually putting something first so when you look at the first habit first habit kind of shows us that we have ownership we have control it's on us mm-hmm. we're looking in into our own life, into our own problems. Our second habit is our first creation of what we want to do with our lives, where we want to go. It's our mental imagery. It's our visualization of where we want to go. Habit three is actually doing that. And this is what we talk about, laying those bricks, taking that step. Like habit three is actually taking that step, actually doing it. You have everything visualized. You have everything ready to go. You have looked at your life. You have attacked your own foundation, you have built your own foundation, and now you're able to take that step. Without, without that foundation, without that vision, without that moral compass that you established in the first two habits, you're just taking random steps all over the place. You're running with like a chicken with their head cut off. But those first two habits really allow you to build that path, you know, to the way, mm-hmm. to take those steps forward and go the right way. Agreed. Um, I think this is the exact way you should go about, because if you go about acting because if you don't have like you just said um, if you don't have your foundation set first then there's going to be nothing for you to stand on and like you said you're going to be running around your chicken like a chicken with a head cut off yeah it's perfect perfect yeah and one of the most important things of this chapter and he displays it multiple times in this chapter is to say no to the things that don't matter most to say no to those things that pop up to say no you have to have a burning yes inside of you And again, that goes back to the first two habits of if you don't have your foundation, if you don't have that burning yes inside of you, when those emails pop up, when those things that matter least pop up, you don't have anything inside of you to say no to that. You don't have any moral compass. You have nothing to guide you into that right direction, you know? So like to say no, you have to have that burning yes and you have to really build that burning yes inside of you. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to kindle a fire and you have to, I think another good point is too, that fire, that burning yes will only extinguish if you do not put first things first every time you don't put first things first that fire gets a little dimmer a little darker you're not feeding it yeah it's gets lesser and lesser and lesser so it matters like when you don't put first things first it matters it really matters and your fire with that that whatever's burning inside your soul whatever you really want to do whatever you feel called to do it's just going to continue to decrease and decrease and decrease if you're not putting first things first yeah and and later in this chapter he talks about trust and like building that trust up with people but to do that you have to build that trust up with yourself Mm -hmm. and again he talks walking the walk is like you can talk about it you can visualize it all the time but if you don't walk the walk with yourself 
you're never going to build up that trust with yourself. And if you don't build up that trust with yourself to do these things, when you write it down, when you visualize it, and you don't have that trust in yourself, you can write it down and see it, but you're like, eh, I'm probably not actually going to do that because in the past you haven't. So one of the biggest things in this book he talks about is like, you, you got to almost break yourself. Like you're fighting with yourself to build that trust up with yourself. And one of the things I love about this book is he lays out all these habits. He lays out, and we're only on habit three, but he lays everything out. And then he tells you, this is the path. This is the way to do it. But just because you've read this book doesn't mean you're going to change your life. You know, it doesn't mean you're going to become successful. Now he talks about how it's such a long journey of actually doing these things, actually taking that step, actually actively changing your life you know and that's i just love that because he's like not trying to sell you like snake oil you know he's like read my book and you'll everything's fine you know like now your life's good you you read the habit seven you're good he talks about like yes these are the universal truths this is what he calls them these are things that are going to lead you in the right path but you actually have to do it right i love how you piggybacking off one of the first comments you said there you have to break yourself first and i think you and i both have kind of been in a state of breaking ourselves within the last year like graduating college and kind of moving forward in life where we kind of you know you can call it whatever you want I like to call it I like to call it like you're in a state of chaos where you, you kind of don't really know where you're at and in the world and we're trying to figure it out I mean we're in the process of doing it and we, we are ever more looking into our souls at each and every day and like rising to that challenge every single day um i think that's where you find that's where you that's where you break yourself it's like when you meet those daily challenges and those goals every single day and you smash them and you realize like what it takes inside of you to do that and, and your true potential yeah you know like yeah. what yeah yeah, yeah and, and, what you really have again and it it's it starts with things like so small yeah and like you gain that confidence and trust and like right. I, I i really like when i went back and reread this i really like that point of like building that trust up in yourself because I, I was like, i was calling it confidence but it's the same like yeah now you believe in yourself and like if you don't believe in yourself nobody's going to believe in you and you you don't just believe in yourself it's yes. it's totally built up like it's, it's totally built up it's an action like I, I, that's something i uh was listening to joe rogan and jordan peterson talk about this the other day and peterson Peterson said, talked about how the culture of raising a child right now and of coach is, is to build up your child's self-confidence. Yep. He said, no, that's wrong. That's incorrect. Your child shouldn't be confident. It really doesn't have any skills. It doesn't know anything about the world. It doesn't know where it stands. It's, and you yourself shouldn't be confident if you don't know those things either. Like Confidence and excellence are built through habit and repetition and working on your craft and just beating on your craft. And so... Um, yeah, I love what you just said there. Confidence I, is not a state of mind. It's yeah. like, <laughs> and I think going off of that, like, I comparing this or like going at it with like talking about ego as well. You know, like, I think a lot of people are fueled by their ego, and like this is one of the biggest things. Like, I talk about my failures a lot, and like people are like, they're kind of scared about doing that, and they're like, well, if I talk about my failures, like people are gonna think you're a failure. Like, why would you want to do that? Don't you want people think? people to think you're a winner and like my thought process there is like I need to talk about my failures to shut my ego down to get myself in a position to where I can build my confidence up you know like I can build myself up without trying to ride off these ego waves you know yeah. and going off that path and that's what I tell a lot of people is like they're scared to talk about their failures because they're like how this this is the question that was formed there's like how do you talk about your failures but show that you're winning, basically. How do you talk about your failures, but then still have that confidence in yourself that people can ride off? Because nobody, and Jordan Peterson talks about this too, is like nobody wants to hang out with a loser. Mm -hmm. So if you're talking about losing, why would they want to talk about you? But that's not the thought process there. It's beating down that ego, breaking your, your bad ways, basically, and then building up the good ways, you know? And I think it's a twofold thing. I think you can build up your good ways, but if you keep those bad ways, you keep that egotistic manner they're just going to fight each other rather than breaking down that ego first right. and then building up that confidence. Right, right. Jock always talks about checking the ego at the door and it's something because like, because ego is also a good thing because yep. it drives you to be, to take pride in what you do and do things well. But, um, it also is like the most serious inhibitor. I think it's the most deadly out of the seven deadly sins is what they say. I don't know who I'm quoting, but, 
um, your pride and your ego. Yeah, yeah. Very, very hard to temper. Yeah. Very hard to be. Very hard to keep track of. Know when you're going too far in the zone of pride, or when you're not going far enough. You're not taking enough pride in what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And we we talked about that on you know, like that balance of having. And this this is something that I've kind of split up to where like I call the good ego the confidence and I call mm. bad ego ego yeah. and that's how I kind of like split it up to where like yeah. I've I don't think I've ever not had either in my life like I've always yeah. been confident or egotistic in my life to where like I've pretty much known I'm going to do it it's just what path I go on to get there and yeah. if I'm going down the bad path of I'm doing it for myself I'm doing it to run over other people I'm doing it to prove other people wrong that's where I, for me I think my ego is running that path. Mm -hmm. Whereas if I'm doing it for other people, uh, I'm doing it the right way. That's where I think confidence runs that's through me. That's, that's, a good, that's a good way of telling. I've heard it. I heard Jocko say this. He said, if you are on the path and you're like doing the right things and you continue to do so, it's going to only get clearer. So that is also, I guess, reassuring to hear too. Yeah. To know when you're balancing your ego and your and your and your confidence. It's like if you stay with the path, it becomes clearer and clearer, which is, I think, cool. The the, the jungle opens up. Yeah. 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 All right. Ready to go to the book? Yes, sir. To the book. In addition to self-awareness, imagination, and consciousness, the fourth human endowment is independent will. It's what really allows us to have self efficient self-management. It is the ability to make decisions and choices and act in accordance with them. It is the ability to act rather than be acted upon, to proactively carry out the program we have developed through the other three endowments. Again, being proactive and not having somebody live your life for you, not having things live your life for you. And it's one of our abilities as humans. We have that ability, but we also have the ability to shut it off and like let life happen to us and not taking advantage of what we have within us. Again, not realizing that potential, that full potential within us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, free will is such a, it's such a, an interesting thing. Like, like I like what you said there. It, free will allows us to sacrifice for the future, which no other animal can do that. No other animal can see into the future like how we can, like humans can. Like we can put off that immediate gratification in order to delay what will be compounded success fulfillment whatever you want to call it in the future Um, yeah and it's the ability yes and it's 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 our ability to like and he says it in here it's our ability to make and keep commitments to ourselves to walk our walk Mm -hmm. to honor ourselves and it's a fundamental part of our ethic Mm -hmm. ethics um and he I, i think that's walk our walk you know like again starting with ourselves you have to walk your own path. Like, you can't be walking, you can't have somebody drag you. I was gonna say walk somebody else's yeah. path, but I don't even think that's it. I think a lot of people are like being dragged down yes. somebody else's path, you know? I think a lot of people choose to be drugged down someone <laughs> yeah. else's path because it's comforting to think that someone has. Well, that path is already made. Yeah. You know? Some, someone knows better than you. Like, yeah. You, when you really look at it, this is something that I've come to realization to in the last couple months, like the last three months. Like when you look at life and you really take full liability for whatever happens, it's scary. Yeah. It's straight up scary. Like you are responsible for yourself. Yeah. But I think it's super rewarding as well yes. to yeah, realize exactly. I, I it's exactly. such a twofold thing that Exactly. You have complete ownership and I, I, I for some, I love this thought process because it completely took away. When I was thinking about like some of my past failures before I really had this ingrained in my head, it was, what, how do I avoid that failure in the future? Because I didn't have control over it in my past because I was blaming it on bad things. So I was like, shit, that bad thing happened to me. Let's just go on to the next thing and hopefully it doesn't happen again. You know, like, but there's always that doubt like, I didn't fix anything. I don't know what happened in the past. It was bad luck. It happened, you know? Yeah. And now the thing is, like, I fail. I fail every single day at what I want to be. I look at it, and I'm like, what did I do to cause that failure? And every single time, there's something that I did to cause that failure. Every time. And now, going forward, you don't make that failure again, you know? Like, you don't make that mistake again because... And it's, it's, you realize it's not luck. Like, it's not... 
I, I used to be, and I still, I still believe in karma a little bit to where like, you put bad energy in the world, you're gonna get bad energy back. But I was big into it to a like, things just kind of happen. I was, I don't know if that's karma, it's more like free flow and like bad things happen, good things happen, bad things happen, good things happen. And I think taking control of it has been really powerful for me and less scary for me because now I'm like, I realize why that mistake happened mm-hmm. and now I can fix it. Mm-hmm. Like, it won't happen again. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Um, this, this might be not appropriate at all for the podcast, but if, if anybody, well, I'm a massive Jordan Peterson fan, as you can tell. But he talks about the idea of, 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 like, you know, this is an old, like, let's say, all right, so if you're Christian, right, this is what sold me on Jordan Peterson as a, as a person, I think. So, like, the Christian, Christian religion, Jesus Christ, what, he takes the sins of society on himself like that's what he says right in the bible that's what it says and when you look at that as the proper mode of being in the world like that's it's basically just saying like take extreme ownership (laughs) extreme ownership everything everything in the world is your fault which is like an insanely like kind of like true statement like you can control i i I don't know i guess i don't have the philosophical reasoning to prove to you how that is but like it's just something you know, man. And what he says, uh, Peterson says, like, if you don't accept this universal fact, yeah. the alternative is so much worse. Letting letting somebody else control that, letting the universe mm-hmm. just happen to you, basically. Yeah. He talks about how scary it is to take, like like you said, like, take on all those sins, take on all the bad things in the yes. world, how scary that is. Like, that's, you've caused this so you have been some part of this all but he says the alternative is so much worse to where you yeah. have no control exactly and it's so scary to think like you have no control of your life and things are just happening so you're just sol you're just there yeah whatever happens happens maybe you get lucky maybe you don't yeah. whereas you can take an action step to change that right why wouldn't you take that action step why wouldn't you go forward with that thanks for saving me there on that <laughs> philosophy what i'm here for <laughs> two jocks <laughs> Back to the book. The successful person has a habit of doing the thing. The successful person has the habit of doing the things failures don't like to do. They don't like doing them either necessarily, but their disliking is overpowered by their strength of their purpose. Mm-hmm. And he says that there is like successful people do things that suck and it's hard work and you're grinding and you're going through all this. And it sucks for them as well. It's not like this successful person's like, I enjoy doing these hard things. I enjoy working super long hours. It's the thought process that they know doing these long hours, grinding to the bone about these things is gonna lead to so much, so much, something so much greater than what they're putting in. And that's, I think, this is the issue like with a lot of people is like, when they see successful people, they're like, well, that person was born different. That person enjoys the hard work. That person enjoys that. Like, it's different for them. It's different for them. Like, all these excuses, again, not taking ownership. It's like, that person doesn't like to work 90 hours a week. You know, like, I shouldn't say, that person doesn't love working 90 hours a week because of the work itself. They love it because they know it's going to lead to something so much greater than this. You know, like, it's not the task of, like, having to haul out your garbage for your business. It's the task that you've taken out that garbage because you know your business has a greater purpose than that garbage, you know? For sure. I love what you said there. Like, successful people, fulfilled people, they don't work, they don't necessarily enjoy it. I heard a quote from Muhammad Ali years ago. He said, someone asked him, like, do you enjoy training? You train so much. <laughs> yeah. And he said, I hate training. I absolutely hate it. But I practice with the most intent and effort every single time because I know that I will be able to live my life as a champion if I do that and I thought that's amazing he hates it yeah he straight up hates it is what he's saying and but he still put that I thought I mean and it's the greatest boxer greatest fighter that's ever lived you know I mean 
what more proof do you need than that? Like, it sucks for everyone. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's amazing at his sport. He's probably amazing at his practice. Yeah. He's winning every single time. Yeah. And he still hates it, you know? Like, yeah. it's just the <laughs> fact that it's, dude, it's like, it's not, it's not, people aren't different. You know, like, no, it's yeah. one person is not just born. I think people are born in, they have better opportunities to start, but everybody, like, has the same abilities. It's just, are you taking advantage of them, or are you coming up with excuses not to? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, are you being Muhammad Ali, and even though you hate that process, you realize there's something bigger than, than that it's going to lead to, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, Successful people aren't, like, no. aren't special. No, Success doesn't no. just happen. Winners don't just win. No. There's something that leads to it. They, they realize something within themselves. Mm-hmm. Some people have better gifts than you. You know what that means? You, you work harder than that, you know? Like, some people were born into something that you don't have. You know what that means? You work fucking harder than that, you know? Like, something that they have that you don't have, you have something that they don't have, you know? Realize your talent, double down on that talent, and attack it. Mm-hmm. Take control of it. Mm-hmm. Because... If somebody's born with something that you don't have, you realize that and you just accept the fact that you don't have that and you just accept the fact that you're lesser than them, then you stay lesser than them for your entire life. Like, what, what's the point of that existence? Mm-hmm. Right. And then when you, when you, I mean, it's, you can also even look at it as an advantage. Like, if you don't have, if you aren't given a gift that someone else has, a competitor, um, that a competitor has, it's like, well, they're not afforded the opportunity to learn how to work through that disadvantage exactly what they weren't given you were given right it's an obstacle that you know how to work through and everybody's going to face obstacles so it's that's an advantage for you i mean that's not an easy mindset to take not saying we're not looking for an easy no we're not looking no exactly it's it's hard like that's that's the worthy way though yeah that's that's the way that's the way forward right yeah that's the obstacle right obstacle is the way yeah I love what Coach K said years ago, and I forgot who we were playing, but strength. Just <laughs> um, every day he faces obstacles. Every single day, they're an, every day they're an all the time thing. Yeah. And, yeah, I and love his, his big thing was like his obstacles may be different than our obstacles, but yeah. everybody freaking has them, dude. Everybody has them, yeah. and you just gotta work through them. Yeah. And that's how you become really successful. Right. Yes. Is when an obstacle is in your way, you don't just change your whole freaking path, dude. Nice. If you're Coach K, you just plow through that. You just that. plow through them. Yeah. There might be better ways sometimes, but you just <laughs> yeah. got to you gotta attack it somehow. You got to yeah. get through that obstacle. Yeah, that's when you have to know when to use the hammer and when to use uh, other tools to get through the obstacle. Exactly. Have it, too. Yes. All right. Back to the book. And this is where he gets into our time management. Mm-hmm. And he breaks it down into four quadrants. So quadrant one. He talks about activities. Um, so these are things that pop up in our lives, the emails, the deadlines, the driven projects, something that you have to react to. Quadrant two is our relationships, the important things in our life, things that matter in our life. Quadrant three, um, again, things that pop up, interruptions, popular activities, meetings, that type of thing. Quadrant four, lazy person watching TV, um, phone calls, time wasters, pleasant activities, that type of thing. And his whole process here is he wants you to write out these four quadrants and he wants you to write down how much time you're spending in these quadrants. And he says most people are spending most of their time in these reactive quadrants, things that pop up, that email, that phone call, that meeting that you have to do. And then any free time they have because they're so worn out from quadrant one and three, they spend relaxing and like chilling out. And then... The things that matter most, you're not putting them first and you waste that time. Mm-hmm. And his thing is like, you gotta identify what matters most to you and then you gotta put your time into that. Mm-hmm. And he makes the point is like, what sense does it make to not do that? Yeah. What? If, if that thing matters the most to you, why are you not putting time into it? And like, that sounds so simple, but like, I've definitely been there before oh, yeah. to where, and that my issue was I didn't identify what was important to me. I was just, Things were happening. I did them. Things were happening. I did them. I just never identified. Reactive. What reactive? It, like what was important to me? What was my path? Where was I going? Mm-hmm. And that that's one of his issues. Is he says some people don't have that laid out. They don't know where they're going, and that's the first thing you have to do. And then he said some people know where they're going, and they just decide not to take the step to put time into that. Mm-hmm. And that's 
that's something I struggle with is like, if you know it's important, why, why aren't you spending your time? And he's like, yes, these things are popping up, but again, you have to have that burning yes inside you to like realize that meeting, that thing that's popping up, that crisis is not what I'm trying to be. That's not who I'm trying to be. Mm-hmm. And you just got to say no to things to bring yourself more towards that burning yes. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's great. I love what you said there. You have to be able to say no to those things, those crises, those small items, quadrants one and three, and you have to be able to say no to them. Like, if your quadrant two is, if you wrote in there and that's what's your most important, like, you have to, you have to say no to those things. Like, yeah. otherwise, it's your those things are in quadrant two. And I think I, you see, I think you see it all the time. Is like somebody would put their relationship let's say um with their kids with their wife with their girlfriend in a quadrant two they would say that is something that's really important to them and then he he even talks about this in the book is like then they spend all their time at work right you know and he said you got to do one of two things you got to put work in your quadrant two and say that's the most important thing to your life or you got to keep what is actually important in your life and then put time towards that yes and making the sacrifices to put yourself yes work is important yes you have to succeed at work but realizing that's not your end goal that's not what you're trying for in life and then putting it towards that quadrant too right and I think I mean I know you and I have both definitely struggled severely with that um it's just how we're I think probably how we're wired but I think it's the American way of life isn't super conducive to um to putting most important things first yeah it's the rat race it's it's the rat race it's eight hour work day it's uh it's we we really um as a culture we really love the idea of like climbing the corporate ladder which if you're going to do that it's all the power to you like you should have the opportunity to do that but like it's not you really have to I love how he writes this out. Like, you really have to think about this before you go do those actions. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, what's your reasoning for climbing that yeah, corporate ladder? Right. What's, I mean, uh, Crusoe, why? what's your why? What's your why? Like, right. uh, having that, like, you still succeed, you still have these successes, but you have a purpose behind it. It's exactly. not just happening. Because then like, when you look back 40 years from now, you're not just like, oh, my God, <laughs> why did I just waste all my time? Yeah. You didn't have a purpose for climbing that corporate ladder. And maybe you develop your why, and climbing that corporate ladder is involved in that why, for and sure. that's and then, then you do it. For but sure. if you develop your why, you look at your quadrant two of what you want to put your time towards, and it's not towards that corporate ladder of climbing it, like then you just saved yourself 40 years of your life by spending two hours of your life. Two hours. Two hours is mapping out oh, what you want to do. This is, this is awesome. Uh, I heard this. Um, and, uh, of course, Jordan Pearson. Um, <laughs> He does his exercise with his students, and he was like, "All right, so let's say you're how many hours a day do you waste? Let's say you waste six, and you're 23, right? And so your time compounds as you get older. So your time's even more valuable right now when you're 23 than it is when you're 50, because you're young and you have time on your side. So like, say you waste six hours a day." Which isn't out it's of the realm of possibility. Yeah, definitely not. And so, let's say it's worth fifty hour, fifty dollars an hour, which is um, three hundred bucks. Probably accurate, right? Yep. If compounding your time, like it probably is worth that right yeah, now for sure. For what you could be worth in the future, like either way. So yes, you waste six hours a day. You do that for us. You do that right now. He did the math. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. Well, I am, but I just don't have the math with me right now. He said it comes out to like $4 million by the time you're 50. Like, time right now is so valuable for us at our age. And this is important for us to hear this as well as anybody who's listening. Like, your time right now is so valuable. It's so important, like, monetarily and personally. I mean, that was something that just really stuck with me. And I can't remember what you said that triggered it, but $4 million of, of value, you know? Yeah. And just... Of just wasted time. Of just wasted, yeah. Because wasted you're time. not laying it out, you know? Right. Like, you're not... Yeah. Thank, this, you. Thank you for bringing me back. Yeah. And just... 
again, and like I know it takes two hours because I did it, and like I'm not like like I would say probably most people listening to this are probably smarter than me, so they, maybe <laughs> maybe they can do it in one hour, you yeah. know, like way less hits to the head yeah. in football. So then maybe <laughs> you guys can do it in one hour. Yeah. So give yourself one hour and lay out these four things, yeah. you know, like really take the time to do it, yeah. lay it out. And then you save yourself so much time in your life to like, yeah. and then not only do you save yourself from doing something you want to do, but now you can put 100% effort in something you would do. So those things that you want to accomplish happen way faster because right. you're actually attacking them. You're doing it. Right. I think uh, my buddies and I from home, we're talking, we have a little group chat because we're country music fanatics and um, we always talk about that in life. And one of my buddies and I were kind of going through a similar thing with career life and changes and trying to figure it all out. And, uh, he sent the text, he said, he said, it's good to think about things I would love to do regardless if anyone knew. I think it was a good exercise for me to do. It was, it's like, it really makes you look at your life and what you actually want. Like, who gives a damn what anybody else is thinking about it? And so I did that exercise and I'd encourage anyone to do that as well, in addition to doing the four quadrants exercise. Yeah, just lays it out for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. It's good. Back to the book. And now he's trying to relate our time management to how, how do we do this with people? What's our process with people? And he says, again, you simply can't think efficiency with people. You need to think effectiveness. Uh, he talks about, remember, uh, where is it? Hold up, hold up. I've tried to be efficient with disagreeing or disagreeable people, and it simply doesn't work. I've tried to give 10 minutes of quality time to a child or an employee to solve a problem only to discover sub, such efficiency creates new problems and sel seldom resolves the deepest concern. And he brings up one of the funny points he brings up in this thing is he relates it to his son. And he says his son is huge into agendas and like mapping down every minute of his day. And he's like planning it all. So you'd think this person's successful. But one of the things he put in there is like he mapped, he timed out an hour of his day to break up with his girlfriend. And he was going to just write this hour in, break up with the girlfriend then that hour is done, then you go to your work or something like that. Mm -hmm. And he plots this out. And again, this is with a person he's trying to be uh, efficient or uh, yeah, he's trying to be efficient with them. And he calls her up and he said the son was on the uh, phone for four hours. And then this breakup continued into a full year. And he talked about how he wasn't trying to solve this person's problem. He was thinking of this person as like a thing, as a commodity of time. And it just turned into something much larger than if they had actually sat down and tried to solve this problem without anything bearing down on it. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was funny that that happened. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, people aren't, uh, people aren't a means to an end. Yeah. People are the, the end, you know. The, the goal, long term, the progress, whatever is, it always has to be put... Um, if you're sacrificing people along the way to get there, then once you get to the goal, you're never going to be able to get the people behind you again to go achieve the next goal. Yeah, so. and, and in here he says, he just lays this out. He says, people are more important than things. Agendas, time management, things that don't work are because it doesn't go along with this universal fact. Um, it also recognizes the that the first person you need to consider this with, first person you need to fix this with, is yourself. And again, taking that ownership of your primary focus needs to be on yourself, fixing yourself in this thought process within yourself that you are more important than something at, like, than a thing around you. You know, you are more important than that email. You are more important than that, even time itself. Like people are more important than things and you need to start with yourself and fix that within your own head. And I also think to bring it back to the way our world works, like that's not how people think in our culture I, I would say I think people really pride how much sh stuff they can get done in a day um, over like yeah like somebody will this is an extreme example but someone could say that they write to do this of 50 things they'll get it done but like they didn't work out they didn't eat healthy they didn't take time to prayer meditate they didn't take time to kiss their wife in the morning and tell them that they love her tell the kids how much I love them like like, they didn't take care of those necessary pieces of life. Yeah. Before They're quadrant they, twos. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before they did their 50 items. And I think that's like, I think it's something that we've been able to gain a lot of perspective from Coach Caruso. Yeah. I feel like Coach Caruso, when he's at work, 
like, <laughs> yeah. why is that guy walk so fast? <laughs> yeah. And then, but he, I mean, he's here from what? I think he gets here at like eight. Yep. And leaves at four thirty. Yep. Like eight and a half hours, and he's out the door. Like he's him. I think believe he told us once that him and his wife race home. See. <laughs> yep. Like. But he has he has a prioritized. He has that yeah. chunk of time set. He set. knows how much time he has, and I. If you guys don't know Coach Cruz, he he's more productive than anybody. Anybody. <laughs> he has this chunk of time, and he gets everything done in that 50 checklist that some person did in 18 hours yeah. and thought it was sweet and pissed yeah. on the rest of their life. He got all <laughs> of those things done in those eight hours because he, he knows his quadrants. He knows what's important to him. He's going to get these things done. Then he's going to go home and love his family, his quadrant yeah. two. He's going to spend the rest of his time with his quadrant two with as much time as possible with them instead of not having that written out, not having that planned. And then yeah. if he doesn't get those things done within that time, he's like, okay, I'm going to carry it home with me. I'm going to finish it at home, you know, yeah. that type of thing. You know, he knows how much time he has to do it, start to finish. He gets there and he does it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I mean, and he's, for any people who are like worried about, oh, I'm not going to like, be successful it's like he's had he's reached the pinnacle of success like he's as good as it's gonna get like as a football coach you're not gonna find a better football coach because he can go he can go coach anywhere in the country I'm sure if he wanted I'm sure he's got offers to go coach wherever he wants like that's how good of a coach he is but he knows what's important to him like he intentionally makes the sacrifice to be with his family because that is what is fulfilling and most important to him and I, I'm just so thankful we got to play on him for four years. Yeah, and this is where your quadrant can change too. Like because yeah. I know he's talked about like when he was a he was a young coach when he was at NDSU, his quadrant two was work. His quadrant yeah. two was getting to a spot to where he could provide for a, that eventual mm-hmm. new quadrant two of his family. And I think And he talked about putting his like where that 50, that eight hours a day, it was 16 hours for a while, mm-hmm. but he was not accomplishing 50 things. He was accomplishing 150 things, you know, <laughs> like, cause he had, he still had the quadrant two laid out. Work is his passion right now. He's going to do that cause he has a bigger purpose behind it. He knows why he's doing it. And then he has his time still set to do everything he wants to do, but he gets so much more done because he knows there's a biggest, bigger purpose behind it. And I think that it's almost for young men and women, I think it's like, probably the right thing to do to have I I guess it's ultimately up to the individual but I think at our point in our life where we don't have children we don't have spouses to worry about like it's kind of like our duty right now to just put our nose to the grindstone and make it happen so that you delay that gratification and when you do have a family you can enjoy it when your quadrant two does change right exactly exactly yeah yeah so but you still like yes you still have to have that yeah behind it and right. I, I that's yes. why it's like agreed yeah you're right don't want to say it's easy i don't know you know yeah no i just if you i think if you have the desire to work a ton and you're young and you don't have any family or any responsibility like that i think it's probably a good thing yeah get after it baby. get after it baby. mr six it's mr six crap back to the buck remember frustration is a function of our expectations and our expectations are often a reflection of the social mirror rather than our own values and priorities. Mm-hmm. And this is this is pretty sweet. Where he talks about like things that you're getting pissed about are a lot of times like they don't line up with your who you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're not lining up with your quadrant two, they're not lining up with your why. And when you're frustrated about something like you need to look at your expectations and you need to look at your why again and realize why you're pissed about that. Yes, um, I just when you when we were prepping the podcast and you said this quote, I I never thought about really why I got frustrated, and this was just kind of a light bulb for me. It was it just makes sense. Like frustration is what happens when you're falling short of the ideal. Yeah. And, um, that was really insightful. I mean, it's. Because then it allows you to then, as we were talking about earlier, go back and you can figure out why you're falling short of the ideal and change yeah. it. And you can figure out why you're falling short of the ideal. You have that path. You have that option to do. And you can see if your expectations are towards your, like if you're getting frustrated about something that doesn't line up with your why, you can fix it and cut that time out of your life, you know? Mm-hmm. And something like, I, I think that's, again, it's, I think it's really powerful because it gives you more ownership of, you have two paths now to 
control where you're going. Like, why are you falling short? You get to see that. You get to realize you're frustrated for a reason. Why? And then you can see, is it because you're not putting enough effort into your why? Or is it because that thing doesn't line up with your why? It doesn't line up with your expectations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And both are equally valuable. Yeah. Back to the book. And this is where he's talking about difference between somebody just managing somebody and telling them what to do. Yeah, what's he, he calls it a, a go-doer. Like, go do this, go do that, go do this. I think a lot of parents are like that. Just go do, go do, go do. And he talks about how that's not really giving anybody any power. And if somebody doesn't have power, somebody doesn't have ownership of a task, they're not going to buy in, they're not going to believe in it. And his example in here is he talking about a kid cleaning the room and you can tell the kid to clean the room and if you yell at him enough he's probably going to clean it but then a week down the road the room's going to be messy again and you're going to have to go do that go do that go clean go clean go clean and what he talked about is a better way of managing and he just he said clean the room to make it simple but it can be done at work all these things is get that kid to realize why cleaning your room is important get that kid to realize the ownership you have over that room the importance of like when somebody looks at your room what they think of you and when that kid buys into that when that kid buys in and takes ownership of his room that's when his room stays clean by itself and as a parent as a leader as a business owner as that yes you have to give reminders you have to continue to build that trust in that kid to realize why that business is important why that room cleaning that room is important that type of thing you have to continually do that because that's your job but it's going to save you so many headaches and your job now is to build up that person, build up that trust in the person, rather than your job being tell that person to go do something. I love, uh, I think you're spot on there, because in the analogy of a parent, again, um, when you're a parent, you're supposed to see the larger picture for the child. Yeah. And cleaning a room and make, being on top of your kid for cleaning your room, that's like a task. It's not the large picture. Like you need to be able to see everything. And if you're always concerned with just little individual tasks and kind of like at the end of the day, it's not, it's not meaningless, but it's not, but the child has to adopt that responsibility on its own. Like, otherwise you're not doing the right job as a parent yeah. and you won't, you're not going to keep your eye on the larger picture and you get, you're going to get caught in the weeds. You get caught in the weeds. Exactly. I mean, there's so many of them. Like it's hard not to, like when you get yeah. caught up in that dirty room and then the right. dirty dishes and then this yeah. and this, it makes it really hard to see that big picture. Yes. And like, as a, again, as a parent, as a business owner, as a leader in your community, like that's your job is yeah. to see that bigger picture. And you have to realize, and Jocko talks about this in oh, the, uh, in the owner or in, uh, extreme ownership in war yes. and he talks about his one of his biggest mistakes as um a commander basically is he was trying to be on the front lines and he was trying to shoot a bunch of people yeah. and that was his like that was his reality is because what he, it's what he wanted to do he's bogged down in it but he talked about how less efficient of a person that made him and right. when he's not an efficient leader his team comes down with it right. so maybe he's really good at that task and he's really good at getting the small thing done but the whole big picture of winning goes down with him exactly yeah and that's the thing like and that's your job as a leader is to win is yeah to make the mission win so yeah you get bogged down going in the weeds and doing the dumb tasks and maybe you look really good because you kick ass with those small tasks but the team is failing so you're failing yes you're not doing your job you're failing yes it's just something that i know people in my life and i see it happen and it drives me insane um so i just can't let it happen yeah, you got to take control of it. And yeah. this is where, like, people are like, well, you're a business owner, so it makes sense for you. Why does it make sense for you? Like, you're a leader of your own life. Exactly. You, you, you are, no matter who you are, you're a leader. You, 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 you're a leader of your own life. As a bare minimum, you're a leader of your own life. Then you have people, I guarantee you, people looking at you that you're a leader of. You're going to eventually be a leader of your family. You're going to be a leader of your community if you're not already. You know, like you're a leader of so many things. Just because you're not high up in the corporate world, you're not owning your own business, you're not that. Like you're still leading things in your life that right. you need to realize this fact in. Like you need to see the bigger picture. And ultimately, like you said, if you don't, maybe let's say you're, you literally don't lead anyone. Like I don't know who would that would be, but let's say you don't. You lead the most important person in your life, yourself. Yeah the most important so so lead make it happen make it happen back to the book trust is the highest form of human motivation 
It brings out the very best in people, but it takes time and patience. It doesn't just happen. You need to train it. You need to develop it in people. And this is, I, I 100% agree with this. And we talked about this a little bit before the podcast is if somebody doesn't believe in you, if somebody doesn't believe in the job, if somebody doesn't buy into you, they're not going to be motivated. If you are hiring somebody that they're just hired for the money and they don't believe in your program, they don't believe in your why, they don't buy into you, they're not going to be motivated. Like, and I believe buy in all that is trust. Like they trust in what you have. They trust in where you're going to lead them. They trust in you. And I like this point again. He says like, it doesn't just happen. Like people don't just buy in like it takes time it takes patience it takes like you consistently doing the right thing over and over and over and over again and then they buy into you and i just thought about this right now it's like this goes back to yourself like the more motivated people they trust in themselves more you know because they're able to continue they they believe in themselves they know where they're going so they're motivated in it because they know it's going to lead to success because they they believe in itself it's such a circle like yeah, it feeds into itself it's a compounding circle yeah positive positive feedback loop right because it yeah like you do it once oh it works yeah you do it again and, you do it and then it just keeps going up and up and up and it's exponential and it's uh, i read a business book about this too and it talks about the same thing with your business is like once you get that momentum belief going you you start off first of all by pushing this thing this big windmill is how yeah. they call it like you push the windmill and you have to push it all the way around and then you do it again it's a little bit easier because it has momentum. And then you do it again, and you do it again, and five years down the road, this thing is spinning so fast that so all you have to do every single time it passes is touch it. Yeah. And the momentum's rolling, and the momentum's rolling, and the momentum's rolling, and then you're going. Yeah. And I thought about it, I'm like, that relates to life. Like, and I, I feel it in myself is like, the more good choices, the more things I do, the momentum rolls, and then the next big thing happens, and then the next big thing happens, and then they're happening faster, and then they're happening every day, and then they're happening every hour, and like the momentum is crazy. It's just starting that push, starting to build that trust, and not re like realizing like that one push all the way around. You can't just stop at 360. And be like, well, I pushed my circle around, nothing really happened. I still have to push it again. You do, and then eventually it just freaking takes off, and the momentum builds, and it builds, and it builds, and it, builds, and it goes. Yeah, I think. It's so, if you, if anyone, like, I love just reading about and studying people who are great at what they do. I just find it to be so interesting. And it, it seems like they all, it's the same way. Like, like Joe Rogan, when he started his stand-up comedy, like, he's broke. He just got out of fighting um, as a professional fighter. And, like, you know, it, it took him. It took him years of like spinning that wheel. Yeah. But now he's like the most probably influential interviewer in the entire history. Joe Rogan can go live time. at two in the morning with some random person and get four million people to tune yeah. in. Which is like a scale that's unprecedented in human history. Because all he has to do now is touch that yep. spin wheel with two fingers and barely tap it, and it's fucking flying, dude. It's, it's insane. And he doesn't even know what to make of it. Like, he doesn't even know what to think about it either when he talks about it. And, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and, but I, I, I don't know about unbelievable because I, I, yeah. it's believable. It's I, I, like, you see it happen in your own life. Like, I, it's, it's so powerful. And this is, like, one of my biggest passions for doing this is because I started to feel it myself is, like, with the business, with, like, my own life, like, fixing everything. Like, all somebody needs is, like, momentum. They, it's, it's all they need and I it's super tough to get to get started but you just need a little bit you need a step you need the push yes. and then once it gets going so many crazy things that you thought were ridiculous to happen in your life they start happening yes. and like maybe it happens like once a month and then you continue on this process and you feel really good like that big thing happened and then it happens twice a month and then it's you get to a point where it, like every single day things are happening that five years like earlier you were like there's no way I thought that would ever happen in my life and they're happening every day now it's just the momentum is so crazy yeah yeah it's it's fun to watch too like as an outsider seeing you I guess not an outsider but not you <laughs> seeing how the company has changed over time it's just it's just that initial step man take the step and we're taking the step with this podcast baby yeah that's right that was a freaking awesome one. Was, I like that. That was awesome. 
yeah, my favorite chapter in the book from high school, for sure. On the second read through, we'll see, we'll see. Um, awesome. So in closing, support the podcast by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you can get podcasts. And um, make sure to shoot Austin a follow at Yoakum Strength on Instagram. Um, friend request him on Facebook. No, don't use Facebook. <laughs> um, you can, there's a link to Austin's blog website on the Instagram page, and you can purchase programs, get in contact with Austin through that Instagram or through that website. Um, there's also the programming is the best you're going to find. I'm telling you. Uh, my second cycle programming with Austin and Greg's on a good one right now I'm loving it and it, the best part is is like world class strength and conditioning knowledge right and it's at a point the company's at a point right now where you can get to him one on one which that's not what it's going to be in, in two years I guarantee you like you're not going to be able to get one on one time with this guy because he's going to be too busy like so you can get a customized program for whatever goal you want and by world class strength conditioning coach, that's you, that is that's not gonna happen. Like you can't do that. You can't go to hybrid powerlifting. You can't go to Chris Duff. You can't go to Joe Frank. You can't go to people who actually really know their shit and get them one on one and get a program that you want. So take advantage of the opportunity and he'll sit down with you, identify goals, smash those goals, and then repeat next programming cycle. Um, so buy the program. I'm telling you, just do it. It's gonna change your life. Just buy it. You want to tell what, what what's your goal on these programs right now? We should we should we should Come do on. this. We should talk about like our, at the start. Well, we should talk about. I think I think it would be cool to talk about the start. We'll keep this in there if you like. But Yo, at the start, start of the podcast, maybe give them a little training update on ourselves, like what our sure, goals are yeah, and how we're doing it. I just fun. thought about that right that's now. That's great. I'd love. That. I think that'd be sweet. Keep like, myself accountable. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Hold, so, yeah. All right. Well, last programming goal was to lose weight, get more lean. Did it? I think I dropped. I think it was 240, went down to 215. So that was two, that's 25 pounds? Yep. 25? Yep. Yeah. And that's with really, really crappy dieting for like the first six weeks. So I'm pretty pumped about that. That was good. Now the next programming cycle is uh, for me. <laughs> what is it? Uh, man. It's to increase my arm size, <laughs> and my quad size, and my calf size. Because the beach is coming up, baby. <laughs> and I just want to be able to, I want to be strong in the squat. And my front squat is weak. And it always has been weak. And um, my arms have always been weak. I never really trained arms in my life. Seriously. And day two, baby. And I'm having a ball. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting after it right now, baby. Oh, I'm loving it. Oh, my God. So much fun. Um, and mobility. And then. I also have a mobility program from Austin. So it's flipping awesome, dude. It's so fun. It's so empowering. I just I wish people just would do it. Like it pisses me off. <laughs> like you people are like I'm fat. It's like okay. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done with my rant. Thank you guys for listening. Keep chopping wood. Put first thing first. <laughs>